Welcome to Incognito, the podcast where I converse with interesting guests from a variety of fields and disciplines about how they foster inclusive workplaces and communities. In today's conversation with Janine Bernstein, how can I be of service is the overarching theme for both her life and work. As an adult working primarily with teens to overcome mental health challenges, she is a big fan of peer-to-peer initiatives by tapping into older generations connecting with younger. She practices a simple formula when approaching people and asking, what are your needs? And in talking about the difficult place we find ourselves collectively, she wonders, what happened to being kind? I couldn't agree more and hope this conversation sets us off on the right and kind track. Welcome to Incognito, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fosberg, and with me today is Janine Bernstein. She's a mental health advocate, journalist, and speaker. In response to the global pandemic, she created the Mental Health and Wellness podcast and event series, Outside the Box. It includes her care initiative, creative arts and wellness series, and other programming designed to address the mental health and wellness needs of students, teachers, and organizations of all sizes. She is the author of Get the Funk Out. I, I should have asked you before I started this. <laughs> shit happens, but it's not the word shit. It's just uh, four characters <laughs> happens. What okay. to do next? In which she shares stories of resilience and the importance of prioritizing mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Bernstein hosts Get the Funk Out, a weekly radio show on KUCI. She graduated from Syracuse University with a focus on communications and education and earned a doctorate from Boston University in curriculum and teaching. She is a 2021 Age Boom Academy Fellow with the Robert N. Butler Columbia Aging Center in partnership with Columbia Journalism. Janine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to talk to you. I we, we've we talked a little bit um, prior to the podcast, and I, I appreciate you sending your bio. You know, I, I'm I'm always obsessed with identity and how we um, share ourselves with the world and how the world perceives us. And of course, bios are really kind of about our accomplishments, what we've done, all of that stuff. Sure. But if I were to ask you, you know, what, what how do you see yourself? What are what are the identities that are core to how you see yourself in the world? You know, it's such a great question. And when I got your questions, I thought about it. Sometimes I still feel like I'm eight years old riding a skateboard <laughs> around New York City, falling into dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, because that really happened. You know, it's like I spent eight years living in New York growing uh -huh. up and it was tough. And my mom was single. I was on my own a lot. And some of the best lessons I learned were just being on my own in New York, being kind to total strangers, sometimes little kids that I remember one time got separated from their brother on a bus and I helped reconnect them. And, you know, I was a kid myself and just just those life lessons you learn when you're younger sometimes um, stay with you. Yeah. 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 So you see yourself as a kid. Sometimes a lot of times I because of. Because the root of who I am 
And I was a terrible student growing up, by the way. I was D's and F's. I have issues with reading and and I, I have not been officially diagnosed, but I'm sure I have ADHD because it runs in my family. And I just figured out how I learn best and what works best and how to make my way in the world. And so, yeah, I, I feel at times that um, the things like my grandmother taught me about creativity or, or whatever I learned, it's kept me um, sharp and kept me thinking outside the box. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I guess with thinking about all that and about, again, mm-hmm. how you see yourself in the world and perhaps how you present yourself in the world, have you ever felt walking into a room that your identity was or might be an obstacle? Definitely. I mean, well, let me back up. When I was little, I remember my mother saying, we're going to such and such a place on the weekend with her boyfriend. We're not Jewish, by the way. This weekend, we're not going to be Jewish because I guess it was an anti-Semitic country club. So she she told me our last name would be Burns. So, you know, I, I grew up cautious and scared in New York as well. So that's one part of identity. And the other is having gone to some rough and tough public schools initially in Manhattan, you know, I, yeah, I saw myself as this little white Jewish girl, uh, but I was the minority. I was the minority in that situation at PS 190. Um, it was, it was a really tough time, but women in general, at times I feel like we have to sell ourselves more to get our point across or someone just patronizes us, you know, oh, that's such a great idea. Or, you know, there's, there's so much ghosting left and right anyway. So, yeah, I feel like a lot of times I, I, I'm looking at my myself, you know, kind of watching my myself navigate the room, and it doesn't always feel good. Yeah. yeah. And so, with all of the, I don't even know how to start, where to start here, with the rash of anti-Semitism that has, yeah once again, reared its ugly head, how, and you mentioned being scared and cautious. Uh, are mm-hmm. you feeling that way now today? Uh, yes. I was telling someone how you can't help forget the fact, you know, I'm Jewish. You can't help but feel a sense of fear and anxiety in general, because when I try not to watch the news, but if I see something online, I feel like there's no safe place right now. And then you add in being Jewish, it's disheartening. I'm, I'm thinking what happened to being kind and taking care of one another? It just seems like it's one thing after the next. So I'll, I'll for instance, I was working on my second book in the library and I think something could happen here. Anyone could walk into the library or a movie theater or whatever, but you can't, you know, I also know like you can't live my life like that. So mm-hmm. I have to stay home and, and fear, you know, um, right. but it, it has made me think about that, that there's crime everywhere. Yeah. 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 It's, it's definitely a, you know, for lack of a better word, a scary time for, for a lot mm-hmm. of people, not just um, Jewish people and black people and black people, trans, Asian, trans people. people Asian people, a- yes. Asian people. There's just so yeah. much anger and hatred yeah. and I, 
I know that you and the work that you do and my work, we're out there trying to bring a positive light and uh, love to uh, those who are willing to accept it. Um, with that in mind, maybe you could talk a little bit about in your work, how you go about creating that environment that's conducive to collaboration or people feeling included. Sure. Well, I will say this before I answer that question. So yeah, sure. one of my favorite classes at Boston University was a qualitative research class. Mm -hmm. And the, the reason I'm telling you this is because it taught me how to be aware without forming judgment. Uh, so he said, the professor said, I want you to go out and observe people in a coffee shop. And if you see somebody stumble, you know, slur their words, don't come back and say you saw a drunk person, right? Mm -hmm. Be very specific in your details, back it up, you know? Yeah. And it taught me how to be an observer of life and a better listener. And so, so I share this because uh, I had an experience over the past couple of years uh, where there was a mishap with my daughter's order at a local donut shop. And she didn't have a receipt. And we went back and they said, we're closed. We were going through the drive-thru. And I said, well, she just wants her money back. Your computers were down. Well, we're closed. She said it again. And luckily an employee said, you know, thanks for not yelling. I said, why would I yell at you? Your computers are down. And it made me realize like how people are so aggressive. And I'm hearing it from this local donut shop. So long story short, I was asked if we would just take donuts as a thank you. And I said, no, no, that's fine. Just her money back is great. So when we were asked to pull around the back, the employee showed me over 300 items that get tossed in the trash. He said, could you please take them and go find some people that are experiencing homelessness? Would you do that for me? And uh, there's only one answer to that, of course, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So I felt like Robin Hood. Every day at closing, I would show up oh, wow. at dark, sometimes bring my daughters and we box up stuff. And I would go to about three or four or five places that feed single moms, families. So now I'm doing it uh, with bagels, with Einstein bagels here in Orange County. So being able to go outside of your own stuff, your own life and think, how can I be of service? How can I help? How can I be kind with what I have to offer? Mm -hmm. And you can't help but boost your own mood by knowing that you're giving someone food that day. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a yes and. You know, Correct. we, we yeah. use that term in uh, improv. Uh, yes and. What else? Yes and. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So of course, donuts would open or bagels would open up any room to cooperation. <laughs> but how how are you if, if working in a room full of people in your field? How would you go about um, getting people to feel included, to feel collaborative with you? Sure. Well, in the work I do, a lot of it is towards Gen Z. So mm. I don't want to really design anything or create anything without their input. Yeah. Because why would I do that? If, if I... If I say to them, I've got this amazing chocolate bar and it has kale and sweet potato and carrots and, and they're all looking at me like, is she out of her mind? I don't like that <laughs> shit. <laughs> I want to tap into what do you like? What do you want? What are your needs? A basic needs assessment, right? So I love talking to people and finding out where are you at? You know, 
what are you going through? What are the issues you're facing? Or when's the last time someone did something nice for you or you did something nice for someone else? So I'm very big on the backstory of somebody and finding out needs and wants. And uh, if there's an issue, how do we go about solving it together kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Could you maybe share with listeners um, a challenging situation that you found yourself in that required unifying efforts on your part and how you overcame that challenge? Well, I mean, with regards to the work I do, oftentimes, let's say I'll have interns helping me on outside the box, Mm. um, the podcast and events and things I do. And, you know, first and foremost, I tell students that I want this experience to be also about personal growth for you. Mm. Yes, it's great to help me build my business, but I want it to be about something because we do things on social media. Like if you're going through something and you're anxious or or you're depressed, maybe you could create content around that if you feel comfortable. And um, I've been faced with situations where not just with the students, with anyone really, where they can't come through because they're facing a personal challenge. Mm. So what am I supposed to say? Well, I don't care. We, I, I have a deadline or you have to do this. No, right? I know you're laughing because you can't do that, especially yeah. now. Because people are more transparent, uh, especially if you open the door and say, are you okay? Yeah. People are no longer, Michael, saying, I'm good, thanks. Typically, I don't know about you, but with me, they'll they'll lay it out, you know, and that's good. I think it's a good thing. I think people have kept things tied up inside and afraid to really tell people how they are. So the challenge for me is balance in being a sounding board. If it's something I can help somebody with, great. And if we can go back to reaching that goal that you said you were going to do something with me, or that's great too. But I don't, first and foremost, if somebody is struggling with their mental health, that is the first priority. Mm. It really is. They they get a pass big time. Yeah. Yeah. When you uh, mentioned that uh, people are opening up, that you notice that people are opening up. Are you, are you consciously inviting them to do that? Or do you just find that your presence, your, your energy in the room, or just that that's a part of what the perhaps invitation is or, or that they're, or it's a combination of those things and, and them just needing a space to open up. That's exactly what it is. The latter it's, it is. It's um, my willingness to listen. Mm-hmm. And I'm very open that, if, hey, if you are struggling with something and you need someone to talk to, you do not have somebody to talk to, I'm here for you. And if I can find a resource for you, great. A lot of times I'll say, you know, I will help, you know, guide you or listen to you. But also if there are resources, whether it's school or work or whatever, I'm going to encourage you to, to seek help. Um, but I, the reason I started outside the box, I had a lot of different people, especially students reaching out to me on LinkedIn saying, I lost my internship. I lost my job. Do you have a few minutes to talk to me Mm. again? What am I supposed to say? No. Why would I do that? (laughs) Yes. And correct. Yes. Cause you, Michael, think about it. 
you could change the trajectory of somebody's life. I had a mentor. I don't know about you. You can change the trajectory of somebody's day, somebody's life and inspire them and lift them up in just a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think about uh, that just makes me think about all the people over the course of my life who probably unknowingly opened that door for me. You know what I mean? Like, like, and probably that happens for you too, that you are just going about your day, your job, being open to people and giving them support and whatever else comfort that they need, but you're just doing it because it's who you are. It's your essence. And yes, uh, yeah, I, I really feel that. I know this, this is probably along the same lines of what I just asked you, but in, in terms of forging new connections with people in, in your workplace, in your community, is are there specific things that you do aside from some of the things we've talked about, like being open, asking questions, being a good listener? Are there, are there other things like other methods or techniques or approaches that you use to make people feel safe and trusted? Um, absolutely. Um, I use humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe in the power of humor and, and I'm sure you do too. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Cause we were just talking about this. Um, it's almost like if you look at it as a, a game show, there was some game show years ago where it, the three people said they had the same name and you had to tell which one was the real John Smith. Uh-huh. I don't know. It was a long time ago, right? Yeah, and they'd say, yeah. you know, I'm no, I'm the vet with the love of yeah. crossword puzzles. And, you know, and so if you say to me, so how are you? And I say, good. And my voice goes up, right? Yeah. Then you're going to think, oh, sure. She's not good. If I also answer, I'm fine. Thanks. So, so what's, what's the plan for today with the, with the uh, blueprint for the design? Yeah. You're also going to think bullshit. you know he's holding on real tight and if the third person says all of a sudden like the tears start flowing you know (laughs) I'm 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 really you know my dog passed away or or I lost my grandmother it's like we we need to be human we need to tap into the the non-verbal and the verbal because especially with um businesses if your people are not feeling heard if they don't feel like they can come back to work in person and be open mm-hmm. and then it's back to quote unquote normal they're not going to be functioning and I, it holds true with schools businesses everywhere yeah yeah that's so true I mean you really have to be con well it, it requires a good amount of consciousness on your part and awareness yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. if I want to dive even deeper in this and I'm going to try to pester you, I guess, for lack of a better. <laughs> um, and I know we've, we've, we, you've laid out a number of really um, clear, actionable things, but if you could recommend to listeners one thing that could act as a catalyst for a more inclusive society or workplace, what would that be? It could be a lesson, a tool, a step a rule, story? One's hard. Um, I believe in the power of peer-to-peer initiatives. So I'll give you an example. So students, this is, it's everywhere, every day, Mental Health America, for instance, or NAMI, they're posting uh, data about teen mental health. Um, 
the detrimental effects of social media, that it's like the wild west right now with anything goes on social media. And yes, social media has been great. You know, TikTok with dancing with your grandma and doing this and doing that, but comparing yourself, how you should look, how you should be, it's been very detrimental. So by peer-to-peer, for instance, I believe in the power of peer-to-peer initiatives to lift up not just the younger generations, but intergenerationally. Mm. So if you can have um, grandparents come to schools and be guest speakers and talk about how they used to work in an ad agency or they started their own cookie company, you know, later in life or, or whatever, you might have students that don't have grandparents or don't have relationship with the grandparents or they can't talk to the parents, but you know what? They're going to talk to this guest speaker because they remind them of themselves. Right. Uh So one thing I learned, I learned many things from the age boom Academy uh, Mm -hmm. from my fellowship was it's human capital. So tapping into older generations to connect with younger generations and like, here, Chapman University did something with dance students and retirees, and they inter- they uh, reenacted their lives through dance, mm. and it was powerful. So this whole idea of either peer-to-peer or intergenerational can be um, really amped up right now. I think it would do a lot of good, and just get people off of technology yeah. uh, would be outstanding. Yes. You know? And and one last thing, I believe in the power of creativity. Yes. So one of the projects I'm going to be launching soon is um, mental health uh, art project, really specifically uh, comic books. So co- so comics, mm-hmm. and have students, you know, submit uh, artwork and think about it. It could be humorous. It could be very serious, and they don't have to be amazing artists. It's really the message, yeah. right? Right. So the I really the power of creativity um, in any kind of peer-to-peer initiative is tremendously powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I obviously couldn't agree with you more being in uh, the arts field myself to some degree, um, performing yeah. my play and all of that. But I had a guest on in the first season who was the educational director at uh, Goodman Theater here in Chicago. And she was talking about the initiative they have um, pairing elderly community members with teens uh, and allowing them to share their stories. And this is, you know, really right up the alley for yeah. me in terms of the, of sharing our stories, you know, cross yes. race, cross generations and how we find our connections and our commonalities. So I, I couldn't yes. sort of agree with you more on that. So here's the, here's the big, que- the big question. <laughs> <laughs> so we all perceive definitions to particular words slightly differently. And of course we have, we come to the table with biases or own set of biases. But if I were to ask you what it means to be authentic, how would you describe that? And what does that look like for you? That's an excellent question. So I don't think I could have answered that about three years ago, Mm. but in the pandemic, I feel that, um, I took a really good, hard look at myself and what I was suppressing. And I needed to really dive deep and think about things that perhaps holding me back from thriving. So I started seeing a therapist about a year and a half ago. It was one of the best decisions. And so one of the things I 
talk about to students. And I first had to ask a school, for example, um, I said, can I mention I was a DF student and I bombed my SATs twice and, and I got caught cheating and I, you know, like I made this list and they said, and I thought that he was going to say, I'm sorry, we're canceling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He said, absolutely. So when I, you know, because as you started this conversation by saying, you know, you have these this doctorate and and it's like I was least likely to do any of these things because I was very insecure. And you know the ACEs uh assessment, uh-huh. adult childhood experiences. I scored like a nine out of ten. Uh-huh. Yeah, scored very, very high. Wow. So when I when I look at myself, I think there's no way I ever would have thought I would have done some of these things. So I want to inspire young people to know that, especially now when I'm hearing, oh, they're academically behind because of COVID. So what? Like, if they don't have it together with their mental health, that's everything. That's, let's say they're an A student, but inside they're crumbling. What's going to happen when they go off to college? They're going to crumble yeah. or party their ass off and then crumble. Right. <laughs> yes. So to answer your question, I just feel that being authentic is so important. And if you, you can't feel you can be authentic with your people, you need to find new people, whether that's work friends. Mm. Yeah. Because being authentic is everything. How do you get there? I mean, you just shared with me, really, you couldn't, you couldn't have talked about this three years ago. And it was perhaps the therapist that helped open you up to that. What, what, what kind of work did you do to get there? Well, when my friend passed away mm-hmm. uh, in, in the 2010, which is why I wrote the book, Get the Funk Out. Okay. Um, well, I should back up. I started the radio show, Get the okay. Funk Out. Because my best friend growing up, Shannon, I was told that she died by suicide. And it was so shocking and beyond devastating. And I questioned myself. I felt, somebody asked me the other day, um, did you feel guilty? Yes, I felt guilty. I hadn't seen her in years. The amount of anguish and grief, I mean, to this day, Michael, I will see something beautiful or be fortunate enough to experience something beautiful. And I think she should be here to see this. Mm. It's not fair. It's not right. It's not fair. So in peeling back emotions and processing things, you know, in growing and the pandemic again, like it makes you really value what's important and what is not. Mm. So to answer your question, I lost my friend. I my dad had stage four colon cancer. Mm. Um, I decided I definitely wanted to write a book finally, mm-hmm. and didn't do it initially. And then a friend of mine, who's a very accomplished author, said, "Why not? What happened? <laughs> Come on! You told me, you know, once you tell someone." And finally, getting it together, you know, I just put did one little small step you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that led you to have a greater understanding of your self, your authentic self. Yes. 
Yes. And, you know, I had a really uh, tough upbringing. I, I was, now I can say with the words my therapist instilled in me, I'm a survivor mm. of physical and emotional abuse. Mm. And I have learned that the most important thing is I take the best care of me. Mm. And through therapy, I figured out what are those things I can turn to that will help me sleep better at night or help me process? And it might be playing guitar, taking a yoga class, having a bowl of oatmeal, whatever it is, yeah. you figure out, right? What works right. for you? Right. What is soothing to your soul? Mm -hmm. And having boundaries to know when it's when you have to say no, when you don't want to answer the phone and talk to somebody. Right. And so you figure out through a lot of work yeah. and therapy and uh, self-love what works for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. So when the shit does hit the fan, you're not emotionally reactive. You are emotionally regulated. Mm. That's what I've learned. Mm. That's beautiful. That's great. Well, it's a, as we both know, it's a long process and there's, um, a lot of work involved and a lot of um, consciousness raising, yeah. I guess, is that needs to take place. Thank you so much for that and for the for all of the beautiful things that you shared about connecting to self and uh, helping others and the messages that you carry. I wanna I wanna ask you one last question. That's kind of a fun question or something. Okay. I, I consider it fun. Can you recommend a book, a movie, a play, a television show, something which has inspired you recently and tell us why? Okay. So I just saw a movie with uh, Rebel Wilson, uh, The Hustle, Anne oh. Hathaway and Rebel, Rebel Wilson. It's really okay. funny. I think it's okay. a few years old. Okay. And I was laughing out loud. I don't remember <laughs> the last time I laughed out loud at a movie. Yeah. Um, and and I love to write short scripts uh -huh. and I submitted a few in the pandemic. And so the reason I say this is because a movie like this was inspiring. Yeah. I just checking, but it is called the hustle and it yeah. came out, I think 2019. Okay. It's hysterical. I highly recommend it. Terrific. And it just, uh, it has a great character arc. Mm. And I just, again, I liked how it made me feel and how it made me kind of, it gave me a mental vacation <laughs> at a time I needed it, you know? Yeah, sure. And yeah. and I'm, and I'm hearing in your voice that it's inspiring you to write some more uh, short scripts. Comedy. Comedy. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's terrific. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Janine. It's been just a joy to have your energy on the show. Thank you. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to Incognito, the podcast, season four. If you're a new listener, welcome. I hope you found something here that you can use in your work life or your community. And if you are returning, I'm so happy to continue to have your support. I personally listen to a good number of podcasts and realize how difficult it can be to sustain listenership over time. So for those of you who can call yourselves longtime listeners, I really appreciate that you still find value and interest in what is being said here. 
As always, we welcome your suggestions and encourage you to rate and comment in your podcast app. Ratings and comments help people find us and allows us to spread the word about this work. Also, you can find us on Instagram at IncognitoThePlay. Find us there, follow us, hit us up with a question or a comment. We have a limited social media presence, so I'm urging you to take an additional step to tell someone you know about this work. I'll be back again next week with yet another conversation that delves deeply into identity, authenticity, and ways in which we can create inclusive communities and workspaces.